0: Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User Friendly 2.0 with
1: host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens, along with my co-host, Chairman Gretchen Winkler. Welcome. Hello. Hey. Well, Happy New Year! Yes! <laughs> it's good to be back. I can't believe we are in season four. This is just amazing. This has been a great, great ride. Well, let's see what we can do this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll tell you, you know, it's been interesting because we look back and we started, the show itself started in 2014 and then 2.8, <laughs> uh, which is what we've been doing the last couple of years, started before COVID. So we went in with all of our normal stuff, co- covering trade shows and different things like that. And then COVID hit and we've been kind of going and just like everybody else, trying to figure out what to do in this new normal. And now we're circling back a little bit. We had Emerald City a few weeks ago. We're going to be talking about the CES this week. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what 2022 will bring. Yeah. Let's hope it's something good. Yeah, I think so. I think think there's a lot of potential that it will be. I'm at least positive about it. Ask me again in 51 weeks. (laughs) Well, We'll see. All right. So what do we have in the news this week? Apparently, Samsung may move away from Android. Yes, this is true. And actually, more kind of shocking is that Google may be, too. And the question is, why are they trying to kill Android? Well, what's happening is most of our cell phone companies that put together smartphones that run on Android, it's usually a highly modified version of it. So your Samsung Android will do and have different things that regular Android on Pixel might not, and the one on Pixel might do things that Samsung might not. So they're moving in a direction where they are using this as a base of the operating system still, but doing something completely custom. And they're talking about having this on the next generation of the Samsung phones. So the, I think that would be the 22, a uh, Galaxy mm-hmm. 22 and the tablets and all the rest of that. So it'll be interesting to see the direction that that's moving into. But the upgrade that they're talking about, that'll be a part of it. The other thing that's interesting is they're getting rid of the Note series but they're going to be adding the Note Pen to the Galaxy series, it looks like. So that's an interesting thing, too. I've got a Galaxy Note 20 for my cell phone. I I love having the Pen. It's been a really nice device, so I'm glad to see them keeping that going forward into whatever they do next. Hmm. NASA launches
0: James Webb Space Telescope.
1: So this is an interesting thing to anybody that is interested in space. This is a new telescope that is actually a little bit of a ways away from the Earth so that it is able to see more. It was a $10 billion project. They launched it and everybody held their breath because they had to go through all these automated processes to get into the right place, unfurl in the right way. And the initial video that was sent back to it was very glitchy and broken up. Oh. (laughs) The European Space Agency has since had the sequence cleaned up and set to music. And doing this nice. made a huge difference, and they were able to get it online. They had some initial problems, but nothing that they weren't able to work about. And when you think about it, it's absolutely amazing what these devices are, because it has to work. You can't go fix this thing if something goes wrong. And no, it's a little difficult. <laughs> Your handyman needs uh, some
0: serious equipment.
1: <laughs> yeah, so short contracting with the aliens, um, it would be very difficult to do. And, uh, so all of that went well, uh, eventually. And like I say, there were some minor glitches, but they've got it online. And this is something that's going to be absolutely incredible. This is the replacement for Hubble, which has been amazing in the science that it has sent back. And they're looking to be able to peer deeper into the universe and deeper into time. So one of the things that is interesting about this kind of equipment is that the light we see in space is actually very old. So we're looking back in time, in a sense, to be able to see what was going on, in some cases, billions of years ago, depending on the distance, and having mm-hmm. a telescope that's free of any interference from Earth's, you know, a gravity and orbit and atmosphere and all of that will make this a whole lot clearer. And when you think about is it... Is this... Go ahead. Is this the one that's set on the edge of our um, solar system? It's not on the edge of the solar system, but it is outside of Earth's atmosphere. Okay. So, yeah, so edge of the solar system would take quite some time to get there for one thing. Right. But, uh, it, uh, you know, and, and speaking of those. I
0: think that was just a talk. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw something about they wanted to put something on the edge of our solar system. Yeah,
1: and that might be an upcoming project. You know, the Voyager probes, which are now out of the solar system and still operating, very interesting to see, you know, where that tech goes too. So going forward, this is going to be an exciting project. Yeah. and I think we're going to get a lot of just amazing footage and information. As
0: long as. The Voyagers don't come back as
1: Nomad. I'll be happy. Yeah, don't okay? Nomad. do Nomad. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yeah, that's my <laughs> reference. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: Radio Shack to come back as a cryptocurrency?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, talk about rebranding. Radio uh, Shack uh, went out of business a couple of years ago, and the brand was bought, and they've had an online prefer- uh, presence, rather, and... One of the things dealing with this has been that I don't think they've really been able to ramp up that much. So they are talking about a Shack cryptocurrency coin, for lack of a better <clears throat> explanation on that. And, <clears throat> and uh, now, Jeremy, what's your feeling on this? I know you love cryptocurrency. I am terribly unenthusiastic about cryptocurrency. I understand everyone's excited about these new things, but I just don't see it working out because it's not real. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because this continues to move ahead at CES, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. Some of the new smart televisions have NFT and cryptocurrency capability built into them.
0: Okay does oh, any Does anybody remember the first um, economic crash? The the um, I can't think of what it was called.
1: The Great Depression.
0: The Great Depression. I mean, that kind of had you know lots of stuff that you couldn't touch credit, and that's the reason why it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's any, not anyone a good thing.
1: Would, would remember that would be 91 or more.
0: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you could have gone to school and learned about it. Oh, yeah, what is that?
1: <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it, it, dealing with r- really fake money and those kind of things is interesting. I mean, there's certainly made a lot of people real money. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, along those lines, we're seeing another place for it to be used in th- what they are calling the metaverse. We're going to have a show on that in the next couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. you can go in and buy things and all that kind of stuff. So cryptocurrency is an interesting thing. Uh, I think, and I have always said this, that it has its place. I don't know if that's mm. to replace real currency, but wherever that ends up is going to be very interesting. So instead of you know Dogecoin or uh, Bitcoin, we're going to have Radio Shack Coin. Eh, we'll see. Eh, I don't know. Whatever. Samsung's new TV remote uses radio waves from your router to stay charged. Interesting idea here. Wireless electricity has been something that's yeah. been sought after. It's considered cutting the last cord. So pretty much everything we do with our devices can be completely wireless except the charging or power. a battery, but you have to recharge it or you have to plug it in. So coming up with technology that can use radio waves to recharge. We're seeing this a little bit in a very, very basic fashion with the phones. That you can set on a stand to recharge and it doesn't actually have to plug in. Mm -hmm. Next step of this is to be able to take your radio waves, which there's many of them around us, Wi-Fi being one of them, but all of our different devices and stuff emit radio waves from the cell phones to the smart home equipment to whatever. And being able to use that as a form of a battery charger actually kind of does make a lot of sense. So So
0: do you think Tesla, Nikola
1: Tesla's laughing at... um Edison somewhere? <laughs> you know? I would be, I would be, because the bottom line of it is, is it's at least speculated that he already had this technology over 100 years ago to do wireless power transmission. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, maybe we're going to reinvent what's old is new again, right? So. Right. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely going to see this now for the TV remote, and I think if this product is successful, we'll see it in other things. Now, the one problem with this is is the Tech as it currently sits can't charge high-consumption devices, so you're not going to be able to charge your electric car off wireless yet. Uh But something like a remote control, which uses a very small amount of energy, remote controls are basically, there's two basic versions of them. One's a flashlight that uses infrared light. The other one uses radio waves. But either way, it's a very low-powered system. And something like this could work well for it.
0: Malaysia seizes 1,720 Bitcoin mining machines and elect- electricity theft
1: crackdown. Yeah, this is another thing. A lot of countries are experiencing mm-hmm. this, this being one of the latest ones, is that they're getting into the power grid and stealing power. And in a lot of places, including some of our own states, they don't have enough power to go around. So when you have this kind of a problem, you're depriving the people that actually are paying for it and should get it and deserve to have it. And they're getting it for free. I know here in the United States, not from a nefarious direction like this, but a lot of the crypto mining is actually buying full-on power plants to be able to power their operations and those type of things. So, you know, you're seeing this across the board, this being an illegal version of it and definitely something that they need to crack down on to keep the lights on. All right, so coming up in our next segment here, we're going to be talking about CES uh, opening the year. They kind of ended up with a hybrid show, even though they were really meaning to be more in person, but it looks like it worked. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, and this is the week to start out the new year of the Consumer Electronics Show, CES in Las Vegas. It's back in person, sort of, this year, after being away last year on a virtual deal with the whole COVID disruption. And it's interesting to see kind of how they put this together. It definitely came to be a hybrid show at the end of the day. With Omicron out there, a lot of big names started dropping out at the very last minute. But they decided to keep the show in person for those that were able to attend. They did shorten it by a day, so it's not being held on Saturday, but uh, was the rest of the week. And there's a lot of good announcements that are coming out of it. But to start with, let's talk about who didn't show up or who showed up virtually. This is quite a long list. GM, Google, Microsoft, AMD, OnePlus, MSI, Lenovo, Intel, T-Mobile, and the list goes on. A lot of big names on this Twitter meta, which is Facebook, Amazon you know, and I kind of get where they're coming from here. And it was two issues, really. Omicron being one of them. And CES did have a lot of health and safety. They required vaccines. They actually gave you a free test in your kit when you checked in. So
0: there was also the airline problem.
1: Yeah, the airline was the other problem. And with all the cancellations and things that are going on, this created quite an issue. It still is causing a lot of disruptions. So You know, a lot of people got there and a lot of people didn't, but the virtual version of it went pretty well. So it was, you know, interesting to see. There were a lot of openings on the floor. They covered that up as best as they could, but there were some areas where there were obvious gaps, but that was kind of to be expected. Different year as always, but it was glad to see at least part of it being able to be back in person. So it felt like really right before they were going to do this, that they were going to shut down. But the CES promoters and the governor of Nevada both felt that it was best to go ahead and proceed because it would have caused a lot of problems for the smaller businesses, which is the majority of the presenters there, having set, taken the time and energy and money to set up their booths and get out there and stuff and then not be able to present.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of effort put into uh, going to a show like that. Yeah. You know, you, you print things out, you have things constructed, you have the people, and then you have the tech that you have to bring with you.
1: Yep, exactly. That's a lot of stuff. One of the other odd things was that a lot of the companies that didn't actually have someone on site at the last minute still had their booth. So you had these huge big name booths that had no staff. (laughs) So anyway, Mm. we did go on. A lot of interesting things were talked about there. We'll hit some of the highlights here. One of the big ones that seemed to be on the top of this was Connected Fitness. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different companies out there that are doing a lot of different products and different ideas. And that wasn't a test to see how many times I could say different in one sentence, but that's kind of what it came down to. And yeah. we were seeing things like a company called Mir, which was acquired by Lululemon, say that three times fast. Uh, yeah. Peloton was there and a number of these other things where you buy equipment that goes in your house and through a variety of ways you do workouts, whether that be a bicycle or the Mir, which was one of the more unique ones. Oh, yeah. Seeing someone reflected back at you. We've seen the commercials for it. It's not a new product, but they've got a number of updates and different things like that that they're dealing with. And a lot of this kind of equipment has been on fire the last year and a half because with the gyms being shut down and people not being comfortable going out, and even with the gyms reopening and not being able to use locker rooms and things, it does make it easier to work out at home. So buying these things are something that has been going on a lot, and there's a lot of innovation in that area. There's a lot of wearable tech going on with this, too. They have a lot of devices that deal with monitoring heartbeats and all that, like your smartwatches, like your Fitbit. There's upgrades to all of that. But there's other things, too, including rings that Uh monitor Uh what you're doing. They even have a device out there that's able to monitor your blood sugar if you have high blood sugar. And you don't have to prick your finger.
0: Oh, wow. I I know there's quite a few people I know
1: who would like that. (laughs) You actually monitor on your phone and it gives you an alert if your blood sugar gets too high or too low. Nice. Things like that with the wearable technology, we're really seeing this going in a major direction. An item that I'm trying out along those lines is a wearable jacket that warms up and sets your body heat. So if you're in a really cold environment, it works like the heated seats in your car. And it's I will say right now, just trying it out a little bit is very comfortable.
0: Now, the one that you're trying out, um, I saw a vest that um, heated people up. But yeah. you would actually see like a light, like, like um, it almost look like metal wires inside heating it up.
1: So does yours look like that? Uh, mine, you don't see any kind of a light. Uh, well, there's a light uh-huh. on the button if you, if you run it in manual mode. But uh, right. yeah, there's no kind of a light. It just looks like a jacket, kind of like a ski jacket. It has a hood on it and everything. But Mm -hmm. it is really nice, and it's it's Now, can yours get wet? Yes. Oh, wow. And being the Pacific Northwest lately, we have tested that quite (laughs) extensively, and there were no problems. Yeah, it just, it's it's really, really nice. So, you know, the wearable tech's a big deal, and I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of that as we go forward. Another big thing on the floor this year is robots. And we talked about this, that 2022 will be the year of the robot, and it seems that they agree with us there at CES. You're seeing a lot of different things. There's a huge list of stuff that was displayed. Exoskeletons, elder tech, Mm agricultural tech, prosthetics, disinfecting robots was another one with the whole COVID thing. So, you know, seeing all of that kind of out there is is just absolutely amazing. It feels almost like a Star Wars set in a way with all these things running around and seeing the technology coming to our homes. I think by the end of the year, a lot of us will have the equivalent of a droid in our house. And Gretchen, how do you feel about that? You're a Star Wars person. Oh, I'd love to have a
0: droid, but he'd fall down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs>
1: stairs was one big deal. That's one thing I noticed. Even the Amazon product doesn't go upstairs yet. <laughs>
0: I can't imagine forcing uh, Anthony Daniels dressed as C-3PO down our stairs. Uh, That would end in tragedy.
1: (laughs) No no droids would make our stairs. BB-8 would even have a problem.
0: Yeah, he'd be rolling down really fast (sighs) and crashing. We'd
1: we'd have to have a lift. But, you know, one droid for a floor. Yeah, there you go. One droid for a floor. Well, you know, it used to work that way, so why not now? But uh, (laughs) – This technology will continue to come into its own, and I think that we'll probably see a solution to that eventually. But uh, the other things is the sensor networks that drive all of this stuff. LiDAR is big on the floor. Oh, yeah. Really? It's being used. I didn't get to see that. Oh, yeah. It's it's being used in robotics, self-driving cars, drones, and the list goes on and on. Even shoes. Uh, There was a pair of shoes that had that in it. So, really? the technology huh. for this is being really enhanced. For one thing, I noticed it's much smaller, the units that uh, they use for it now. So, I remember mm-hmm. seeing LiDAR as this big thing that almost looked like a lawnmower, kind of. And Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so it, it's it's much smaller now. It fits in a smaller box, depending on the capability of it. But um, that is a technology that we're going to be seeing embedded in a lot of things. But um, I definitely can understand where all of these sensors are a big part of everything we do. And the other area that I wanted to talk about, we're about out of time here, is the field of remote work. And this has been an area that hasn't been a big deal for a while until COVID. This last two years, tablet sales, PC sales are up and all the devices, webcams and stuff are hard to come by. So there's a lot of technology building into this, including the lighting, conferencing devices microphones and other things that are designed to make your home office almost like your work office. And I think for a lot of us, the remote work is going to be going on for a long time or possibly even permanently. So with that, having these devices in hand is going to be part of what they call the new normal. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers, hopefully correct. How do you send us your questions? I'm glad you asked. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. Those are the best ways to get them to us. If you prefer to call, you can do that too. It's 503 766 6264. That's a 24 7 number. Just leave us a message. We actually do really play back your messages. <laughs> and uh, We'll get that information. So, our question this week. Is a little bit of a bigger one, and it's what is Web three. So that's if, a great question. If you haven't heard this term yet, we had the original internet, the uh, kind of the internet Stone Age, and that was where you had basically just text stuff and maybe some of the goofy Flash stuff, or you know, for the little games, posting boards, yeah, posting boards, TTYs, yeah, yeah <laughs> TTYs. I, I'm surprised you know that term. A lot of people don't. Uh, you dialed up with a modem. You know, you didn't have graphic capability. Yeah.
0: Oh. Gosh! And if you called a friend who used a modem, you have that screeching in your ear, and you're like, "Oh, oh!" You see that on Young Sheldon?
1: Yes, they, oh, they oh, showed that, that, that on would there exist during that period. Definitely. I mean, that right. place was known bulletin boards, which were pre-internet. That you know, all this kind of stuff. And when you did get online, what you had access to things. We well, remember GeoCities. Um, yes, <laughs> and
0: vaguely, and vaguely. Like yeah, that. you
1: know that's still up there, and a lot of people can't delete their content. So it's like you posted something 25 years ago, and it still comes up on the search engine sometimes. Well, so, then I guess they hope there weren't a jerk back then. Yep. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> so we we then evolved into Web 2 or Web 2.0, depending on who you talk to. And this was where you started having things like social media. So your Facebook, you had services like Uber, Venmo, and you know things that we use today, software as a service online, all that kind of stuff was a big part and is a big part of web two web three is an interesting concept and it's something that i started digging into a little bit when i heard this term and then when we started getting some questions out of it i don't think it's going to be the same difference as one and two and Mm -hmm. frankly i think it's a little bit more of a marketing thing than anything okay so you know we're continuing certainly an outgrowth of 2.0 web 2.0 So you're not seeing anything, but metaverse, which is a big part of this. Again, we're going to be talking about that in a few weeks on what that actually is because it's a term that's coming into its own, which is starting to become a big deal and have some problems, but this will be part of what they're calling Web3. And the description that Web3 advocates, whoever that might be, will say is the concept will dominate the form of the internet going forward, but it's really just like an amalgamatum of Web1 and Web2. So big tech companies are investing in this Web3 thing. So you're seeing that come forward. So there is some money behind it. It's a growth of our current internet, one tech company is saying. And it'll likely be a gradual transition that you'll hardly notice. So just upgraded things and that type of stuff where you're seeing more services. But a big part of this and what's pushing it is the whole cryptocurrencies thing. Uh And that's where I say I think a lot of this comes down to marketing where Web3 Mm -hmm. is a version of the internet that will run, in their hope, completely on crypto.
0: Okay. Uh, I was expecting something a little more innovative than money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Money does. Okay, I'm disappointed.
1: not necessarily a negative (laughs) thing, but uh, you have to have money behind this stuff. But it is definitely something that's a big part of it. And one of the other things, now this is a little bit of a direction. Last fall, myself included, we saw what happens when you have a number of big companies that basically run the whole internet, and one of them has problems, and I'm talking about Amazon Web Services. Yeah. And we had about a month there. I don't even know that it's completely fixed now, although it does seem to be stable the last week. But we had about a month there where there were all kinds of problems. Data centers were going down, stuff stopped working. It caused all kinds of problems from Hulu wasn't working in some cases. The Fire TV was doing all kinds of weird things. But other Mm -hmm. companies that you wouldn't think about, there's a company that does a ride share for bicycles and scooters in New York. And when they went down, you couldn't unlock your bike. Because all of a sudden that stopped working, you know? (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So I think that we're going to start seeing, hopefully, a little bit of a breaking away from it. These big hosting companies are great for what they can do when they work. But it is very difficult to have redundancy or the ability to back up automatically Between different companies. So if you're invested in Amazon Web Services, and let's say you wanted to have a backup on Rackspace or, you know, a smaller company out there one on one or something like that. Well, your deployment on the Amazon service will only work in a lot of cases with their equipment. So you can't really move it somewhere else or have it backed up. And that's Mm -hmm. a problem, you know. So anyway, that's a quick and dirty recap of Web3. We'll see what this grows into. The internet has a way of evolving too. So it may end up being more than this, but that's what it is right now. This is user-friendly 2.0, still 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Well, with a new year, we've got a new concept, a new segment. Gretchen, what are we going to be doing? Well, I'm calling this the hobbyist
0: evolution. And I'm going to give you guys a little intro here. And um, many activities that we refer to today as hobbies were once important activities for daily life. Some examples would be sewing, knitting, crocheting, weaving, basket making, pottery, gardening, baking, cross-stitch embroidery, archery, fencing, shooting, hunting, leather crafts, knife making, blacksmithing, candle making, being able to write, prescribe, calligraphy, and the list goes on. The industrial revolution really changed how people live their day-to-day lives. Mass-produced fabrics, clothing, tools, cookware, are just a few examples of how items that we use daily were made readily available. One no longer had to make their own clothing or find someone to trade with who did make clothing. For those that lived in modern societies, time was being made more available for non-essential activities. Time was no longer needed for survival, but could be used to work for someone else or pleasure activities if one were wealthy. Because of mass produced products, the standards of what makes an ideal companion has changed. For example, young women used to learn how to sew, knit, crochet, cross stitch, bake, make soap, among many other things to be ready for adulthood and to find a mate. If your daughter was highly skilled, she might be seen as the right woman to, for a man to start a family with. He could count on her to be able to take care of the family needs while he did work outside of the home. Whether that be in the fields or in some service to another. Now, a man, now a man might want a woman who likes to do the same activities he does, such as skiing, going to comic cons, watching movies, travel, or even home improvement projects. The profile of the ideal mate has changed when it comes to considering attributes other than emotional, physical attraction. Years ago, people were less likely to throw away their shirts if a button fell off or if a seam came open. They repaired these items. They repaired their furniture if a leg broke or wood split. Women would look for men that had skills to be able to assist them in taking care of their future families. It was partnership-based. They relied upon each other to enhance or fill the empty skills. But now, these skills are not valued anymore for their survival worth, but for the pleasure they bring in doing a good job or saving something that was well-loved. I can learn to knit or crochet a scarf for family and friends because I enjoy the process or challenge of learning the art. I'm no longer ashamed or worried if I can't make a hat or a pair of socks to keep my family warm during the winter. Why? Because there are stores that sell these items for cost-effective prices. Life has changed. We have become victims, also, of stress and anxiety in our new society of readily available goods and services, but not necessarily from survival needs, but from the expectations of modern life. Hobbies seem to pull us away from modern worries of social media, email, phone calls, Zoom meetings and allow for quiet, introspective time of just being, learning, and doing. I love the process of painting because I can just focus on one task at a time. But not that long ago, the art of painting was really only for those that were thought to have talent and could access training. This was a stressful occupation, hence the idea of starving artists. You know, think about Van Gogh. Music can be also therapeutic. Training and musical instruments are more readily available than long ago. Well, pianos are still pretty expensive. But instruments like a basic beginning guitar are more affordable and common. Many schools have basic music programs. This was not the case when only the basic concepts of education were instructed upon and up to the eighth grade level. The extras were provided by teachers that had broader talents and a serious dedication to their students' future well-being. It was not in every classroom. This was the reason why parents taught their children skills or were part of craft guilds. We don't brew our own beer, wine, and spirits, but we can learn how with like-minded people in clubs and guilds. At one time, this was only for the purpose of making a living. Now a person can apprentice to a master for the opportunity to learn for the joy of doing and learning. In the next couple of months, User-Friendly 2.0 plans to share with you stories about various individuals and their love for activities that we now call hobbies. We will see how these hobbyists were inspired, their learning process, and how it changed their lives. So Bill, What do you think? Do you think life has changed enough that, you know, these kinds of hobbies can fill
1: out um, a special need in our society? I absolutely do. And, you know, a comment that you had made earlier, I think really kind of hits the nail on the head, is that so many of our hobbies came from actual life activities that you had to be able to know how to do at one time.
0: Exactly. Like, well, even like your car, You, you would like to work on your car. But, you know, years ago, you had to be an expert at that nobody else could touch it
1: yeah no i think and i think going forward we're going to see the same thing the technology changes but your ability to be able to deal with the things that you use is important but yeah going forward the other thing of it is is we've all been of course dealing with the disruption of the pandemic and hobbies fill a huge role in these type of things the great depression was another time where a lot of this came into its all because there wasn't a lot of other stuff to do you know yeah, you get a lot of alcohol runners during that time. Yes. Yeah, well, that was a hobby <laughs> in of itself and another topic. <laughs> no, but I think going forward, this is going to be a lot of fun. We get into this. We do the cosplay, of so sewing and all that kind of stuff. And I know all of us have different things that we just enjoy doing and really looking at this and we're going to get some guests on. They're going to be talking about, ex- you know, subject matter experts in different areas of these things and be able to answer a lot of questions and this is a segment too that you can be involved in if you have a hobby that you'd like us to cover or even just want to talk about us shoot out a flare. let us know user show.com one user friendly on facebook and twitter let us know what you would like us to talk about here and we're going to go in that direction this gretchen thank you this is user friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, just wrapping up our first show of the year. Hey, Gretchen, Yay! I think that hobby, whole hobby thing is going to be a lot of fun. I hope so. and I, I, I think a lot of people right now
0: um, are really excited about learning stuff that was considered important years ago. You right. know what I mean? Right. And, like, uh, where did these things come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, where did these things come from and you know where are we going? And I think, I think that's part of it, but I think it's definitely something people are going to be able to interact with. And uh, that'll be enjoyable. So I got a question for you. We have gone through the holidays. We've gone through New Year's. And a lot of times in this last piece, we talk about some of the new things that are out. And I know one of the series that I, and granted, I've just seen one episode. I know the second one's out. I haven't watched it yet, but I will by next week. Is the Disney Star Wars Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. What did you fabulous. think of it? The first one was pretty good. Is very entertaining, um, you know, showing us what happened after Boba Fett, spoiler, you know, gets out of the Sarlacc pit. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at this point in the
0: in the series, uh, it's after Return of the Jedi. So between Return of the Jedi and now has been five years. So, you know, he had to. So there's a lot that had to happened Right. Yeah. Between him managing to get out of the pit. And deal with his current situation. I
1: don't want to ruin it for other people. No, but they yeah. did use, uh, and I think our listeners will appreciate that since it just came out. But the uh, they did use flashbacks and those type of things to be able to communicate mm-hmm. that, and I think they did that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it you know it held my interest, and I was able to understand everything. Now I will tell you another thing, and this is very important to some of us: is that the series supports Dolby Atmos. So if you have (laughs) ambient sound system or ambient lighting, it works really, really well with that. The first one that I saw with that was the Bad Batch, which was kind of cool. The lightning effects and everything. And this one kind (laughs) of takes that a step further. It was just, just amazing. So from a production standpoint, it was very well done. And as somebody that plays D anD D, I like the fact that we have orcs. I'll so do a little bit of a spoiler on that.
0: Those are Gamorians. Space orcs, yeah, you know, you Gamorians. what they want are
1: orcs. They're green and have tusks. They're orcs.
0: And I've also noticed they're a lot more muscular this time. I don't remember them being so. No, they
1: were fat and blobby last. Yeah. Time. <laughs> no, they definitely they look like he man orcs. I mean, you know, <laughs> kind of.
0: Yeah, they must have grown. They must have trolled one of the you know the bodybuilding beaches and said, "Hey, you, you want to be a Gamorian?" paid some
1: money. You know? <laughs> so there, there is one part of this, and when you watch it, you'll see what I mean. We, when I was traveling for the holidays, I saw a sign in the airport that said, kinder, gentler empire, which made me think of Palpatine. But uh, you know, this kind of really. does have that feeling. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Boba Fett versus of the Hutt. So yeah, yeah. it's kinder of and gentler. Yeah. Give it a it watch. Gruesome. I recommend it. I think it's something that uh, you'll enjoy if you like the Star Wars universe, even if you don't. Mm-hmm. And let us know what you think of it. Userfriendlyshow.com. Send us your questions and your comments. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com,
0: theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.